Hi, everyone, and welcome to Viva La Flora Live Podcast, where we bring you the art and business of flowers. Stay tuned. Hey guys, and welcome to episode number 18. Today's guest is Nick Kotzenfuss, or much better known as Farmer Nick. He is a contestant on uh, the Netflix original TV series, The Big Flower Fight. If you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. It is entertaining, it's fun, it's educational. And if you're a florist, man, you gotta watch it. It's fun. Now, Nick is a plantapreneur who's passionate about all things green, and I really mean that. Follow his Instagram feed and you'll know why. As a full-time plant, uh, plant coach and an urban farmer, his mission is to give people the knowledge and confidence so they can create their own green spaces in pursuit of regenerative environmental action. Besides being a plantapreneur, besides being passionate about green, he's very passionate about sustainable living and also giving back to the community. And because of those reasons, he co-founded the project called the Essential Farmers Project, which we talk about uh, during this interview as well. So um, I haven't met Nick in person, but I watched a big flower show and needless to say, I loved it. So I wanted to interview every single person that was on the show. He's actually one of our first. But it was really exciting to sit there and chat with Nick and truly get to know him a little bit better beyond the Netflix and also get to know his passion about the environment, about the sustainable living and so on. And one of the exciting things that he has coming out, there is a t-shirt that he's creating from recycled water bottles and upcycled cotton. That should be up and ready sometimes in September. We'll keep you posted, I promise. And be sure to check out all of our show notes at the end of the show where you can reach Nick, you know, his social media links. And if you want to get involved with uh, the Farmer Project, that's where you found all the show notes and links to lead to that. Without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Nick. Hey, what's going on? Not much. I guess I should call you the plantapreneur friend. Yes, the, the plantapreneur. That, that works for me. <laughs> that was, I, I looked at your bio and I you know read that word. I'm like, hmm, never heard that one, but hey, it works, right? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I know life has been a little crazy and busy for you recently, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, Lots of yeah. big changes. Why not just change every aspect of your life during a global pandemic? That's my philosophy. Hey, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Just one more. It's just one more thing, right? Yeah. Come on, you no know, yeah. If we, if we handle this pandemic, I feel like we can handle just about everything right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but hey, you know we're gonna live to tell about it. That we will. That right. We will. So again, thank you for uh, for doing this. So I personally know you from watching the Big Flower Fight, but you know that's only like one little side of Nick, right? So yeah. I want I want to talk to you about the F Big Flower Fight and everything, but I kind of want to like a little talk a little bit about from the beginning. I, I, you clearly love plants and all things green. Where did it start from? How on earth and why? It honestly going going way back. It, it started with just walks 
in nature, right? My grandfather lived in a more, you know, suburban rural area up in Connecticut and we'd go on hikes and he'd make me climb rocks and knock down old trees and catch frogs, which I absolutely love frogs. And, you know, I kind of got away from that naturey side as I got older, just because of sports. I played baseball and basketball growing up and ended up playing baseball in college and was very into nutrition, fitness, well-being. Mm-hmm. And I never plants, right? Had never had a garden, had never had a houseplant before. And, you know, it wasn't until I graduated in 2014 from Tufts University and I had a job in the city and was going to live this very corporate, you know, American boy life, right? Mm-hmm. And my mom had said, you know, because I was living at home, saving up some money, commuting to New York City, she said, hey, why don't you do something around the house before your job starts? Mm-hmm. I was like, great. What do you want me to do? And she goes, well, you love food. You love your health and wellness. Why not maybe grow some veggies in the backyard? And I'm thinking, you know, oh, yeah, maybe a couple of tomato plants and cucumbers. We'll see what happens. And then I put that first plant in the ground. It was just over from there. Like, I just <laughs> became obsessed. And each year, the garden just grew more robust and trying experimental varieties of different seeds and building, you know, basically a veggie fortress to protect against the chipmunks and the squirrels and reading about all these different things. And I really got into it. And I did that for about three years before I moved into New York City. And I still keep up with the garden at my parents' place, which is like their own little CSA program, which is great. <laughs> um, but to be honest, you know, the houseplants really came four years ago when I moved to New York, because you go from this suburban lifestyle where you're surrounded by green mm-hmm. and then you go into this concrete box literally a concrete box and i struggled i i wasn't happy i my energy was down i just wasn't sure what was wrong and i was like wait like i'm not i've lost my connection i've severed my connection with nature and mm-hmm. i need to bring that back so naturally i just started buying house plants so i buy one two seventy five Uh, and you get to this point where you're like, oh my God, like this is, this is beyond a hobby. This is, you know, what I'm Mm -hmm. really passionate about. And it does wonders for your space, not just aesthetically or physically with the air, but just creativity, productivity, mood, all of these things just were such a benefit from that. And my ex-girlfriend at the time had suggested, she goes, Hey, you know, why don't you throw these photos up on Instagram? And I was like, guys don't do Instagram. I'm not into that not going to happen. But she encouraged me to do it and, you know, took off from there. And now it's uh, my my full-time job consulting people on how to bring green spaces, not just into their homes, but also transforming uh, outdoor spaces and growing their own food as well. Mm -hmm. I am a big time foodie. So I totally understand that. My husband actually, everywhere we go, like out out in nature, he's like, okay, promise me you're not going to pick anything. (laughs) <laughs> foraging is the best right i i know i'm like okay i can't help like and, and if we go anywhere if i see like a fruit tree or a berry or whatever he's like okay can you just not eat those things like you know i'm like he's like one day headlines gonna read she died while hiking eating poison berries so i'm like hey, that's yeah. the way to go out if you're gonna go out anyway that's the way to do it <laughs> yeah he's like i just don't know how this conversation is gonna go with your mom you know guess what couldn't stop your daughter from eating all kinds of stuff outside you know so totally get that man i i I really do i grew up actually kind of gardening with my grandfather Mm. not necessarily walking but he was a judge actually and this was his hobby his garden was his hobby so my grandfather's a judge 
That is so hilarious. Yeah, that was his doubt. Judge, judge, being a judge was the job, which is very stressful, I'm sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah, need that would, nature outlet from it. Yeah, he would come home. He had bees and a garden. That was it. He, and, it. yeah, same, same. It was just totally understand all of that. Like I just, yeah, I do kill house plants a lot, though. Yeah. And honestly, that's okay, right? You know, I think I feel bad. I kill yeah, more we, than I keep them alive. <laughs> well, <laughs> that. we'll we'll have a separate conversation about that. Um, <laughs> but you know, I. It's funny you mentioned that because this is a a point specifically that I'm very passionate about. It's that, you know, there's this plant fear and anxiety and judgment that comes from plants and this guilt that we feel, right? You know, mm-hmm. plants die, like it happens. It's not the end of the world. And, you know, more often than not, I, I, I'm a believer that uh, the wrong environments kill plants more than sometimes we kill plants, but the helicopter plant parents out there can be, you know, sometimes, right? right? You know, you worry too much and, Honestly, you know, I, I think this idea of of mindful neglect is, is something that we should adopt more as plant parents, just because the plants have been here a lot longer than we have, and they right. can survive, and we need to give them a little bit more credit that they can do this on their own. And it's totally fine to kill plants; it happens all the time. But like sometimes letting them be is sometimes the best thing we can do for them. Yeah. Yes, I am the helicopter plant parent for sure. Oh my God. I watched. Okay. So this just remind me. I almost fell off laughing when I saw your video, the, you know, the Hey Plant series. I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm doing another one today. They're so fun. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I mean, yeah, this is what I do. I mean, I, I killed air plants. Who kills air plants? I've killed an air plant. I mean, like every single one of them. I somehow can't keep them alive. I think I spray them with, I don't know. So I got a tip for you there, actually. So they talk about spraying them, right? That's great. Uh, I soak mine. Yeah. So I I fully submerge it um, for 10 minutes and then I hang it upside down so that the water doesn't end up kind of pooling at the bottom and rotting out the base. Um, The one air plant I killed was when my alarm didn't go off and it was in there for about three hours. Um, so I actually browned, uh, my air plan. Um, so make sure your alarm is, is on and set. Um, okay. but yeah, I found the soaking method tends to be a little bit more effective than the missing. I haven't done that. I, I should, I should try that. Um, succulents, I'm, I nailed it. It's like, they just, they, they love me. I love them. I don't ever touch them. They just, just do. yeah, that's the only thing I can grow, you know, comfortably and with confidence. Yeah. And that's fine. And I love how you said confidence right there, because as much as it's about knowledge, right? You know, I go out and work with these clients all the time and Mm -hmm. they want knowledge, but they also need confidence. Like they need that encouragement. They need that positivity because if you really want to break it down and get science, I'll, I'll go there, but it's not what the average person needs. And it's not what the average person has time for. But just to tell them like, hey, like you got this and it's not going to be that hard. And, you know, you can try these few other plants. And if you lose one, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a a big stepping stone for a lot of people to realize in plant ownership. Thank you. Yes, actually, I would. It's funny you picked up on that. I never thought about it that way. I mean, I'm a designer, right? I I can design the heck out of them. But it's like, why can't I keep them alive? But I realized Yes, there is a confidence issue in, with some of the plants. I mean, I bought my first Monstera plant two 
weeks ago, three weeks ago. Congratulations. I don't know if you can see the one behind you. I do, and it's gorgeous. Mine's tiny, you know, ish, but I've never had a Monstera plant. uh, And this guy is seeping water from the tips. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is. I don't even know what this means. I've watered it. That's it? It's it's just plants, you know, they're releasing water um, from their leaves. Um, it's pretty common, uh, usually not an issue at all. So don't, don't stress. Just let them be. Yeah. Yeah. I only watered it once, you know, self-control. I'm, 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 pr- I'm practicing my self-control here. Not yeah. water things, you know, we'll see what happens, but yeah, this is just, that's funny. Well, let's segue into the big flower fight. Cause I mean, I've ever heard your name for the first time there. And of course I had to follow everybody who was in there and sure. I have to say, I love your feed. I love how green it is. I love Thank how you. inspiring it is and hilarious it is. You know, your internal dialogues with the plants, please keep them coming because that's just amazing. Will do. But how did you end up on a big flower fight? You know, it's all all these things that I can attribute, you know, the success to is, is because of Instagram. They actually had a casting agent reach out to me. This was back... Uh, in 2019, um, sometime in June. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, you know, we found your profile and we'd love for you to audition for a garden sculpture show. I ignored it, right? Like, <laughs> not my thing, whatever. And this guy was just so persistent. And I was like, You know what? Fine, take the call. And he explains the concept, didn't say what network or anything like that. He said, Hey, you know, if you're interested, it's a major thing. We'd love mm-hmm. for you to apply. You need to find a partner and uh, audition. I said, Great. How long do I have? Because might as well just at least try to audition and see how it goes. Sure. And he says, uh, yeah, 48 hours. <laughs> <So> <laughs> apparently, they had already found their, their European cast and wanted to then bring on a couple of American teams. Right. And I'm scrambling around calling every plant person that I know and um, was actually working on a job with Taylor, who'd been a plant friend for a little while at that point. And you know, she was like, you know, I, I studied sculpture at Columbia. And I was like, well here we go. Like this is, this is it. <laughs> um, so that's how they reached out. And it's funny, you know, we, once we found out we got it, I was still working a full-time job. I, I you know, had, had been doing farmer Nick stuff, working with clients on the side, um, in the mornings and the evenings, but I was working, you know, this high profile startup in the city and making great salary benefits, all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to potentially have to leave my job or ask for like an unpaid leave or something like that. Right. And, uh, I actually turned the show down. I, Ouch. I called them. I was like, Hey, listen, not going to work for me. Sorry. And the casting agent called me back. He goes, dude, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. This is on Netflix. This is going to be a can't miss opportunity. You have to do this show. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> you, you've, you've convinced me. And you know, ended up having a conversation with my bosses asking for, you know, an unpaid leave situation, which as it turned out, they weren't supportive of. So, you know, I looked in the mirror and just said, like, I have to do this. This is, you know, I can make this work. And I I quit that day and then left for uh, London not long after. So it was such an incredible experience. And I'm so grateful for it. I enjoyed the show very much. Um, I have to say, I was a little perplexed about the name of the show, Big Flower Fight. I'm like, well, it wasn't really Flower Fight. It was more like a garden fight or a garden sculpture like fight. A bunch of garden friends hanging out. It was uh, right, right. 
But I, I loved it. Um, and, you know, Sarah, actually, who was on the show, was a personal friend. So, of course, you know, I'm like, yeah, like, I'm all like, rooting for, yeah. was like my, my mom it was my mom in England, right? She and I are still <laughs> so close to this day. We've, we've done work together. Right. And she's just she's a powerhouse. I, I love oh, her. Yeah. yeah, she absolutely is. So yeah, I had to watch it. And my favorite parts of it all was actually when they were talking about the nomenclature of the, you know, the botanical mm. element elements that they were sort of showcasing. I almost kind of wish they had more of that because that was just so exciting for me. It wasn't just, um, here's this plant and this is what we're going to do with that. You know, they were talking a little bit more in depth about it. I thought that was mm. really great to bring that awareness from the public side of things, right? Yeah. You know, you have to check a balance between that education for people who maybe aren't as familiar and those that, like yourself, eat that up. They, they want to know every single mm-hmm. detail. They want to know the fun facts about the plants. And to be honest, you know, for, for especially some of the challenges that were more flower focused, I had no clue <laughs> what I was doing with these. I had no idea. I was just looking for the ones and I'm, I'm basing it on feel and how, you know, sturdy I think they're going to be. And I couldn't name maybe 80% of the flowers that were there, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's why I didn't last that long in the show, but it was, uh, it was still just so fun and super educational for me as well. Learning from all the other contestants. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, once you left when they were filming the rest of the episodes, um, you know, I know you guys had to stay there duration of the show, of course, so that you can all kind of make make the comeback at the end. Were you able to essentially go and look at everybody else's work afterwards or during the filming at all, or you were completely out of it? So actually, they didn't keep us till oh, the end. I so they, they, did. they uh, sent us home and then brought us back for the final one. But oh, um, during, right after uh, we were eliminated, uh, I actually traveled solo through Italy and worked nice. on a farm just to, to further, you know, that kind of education and also have a moment to kind of reflect and game plan sort of what I was going to do with my life after that. You know, the idea of going home and, and telling your, uh, your family that you, you quit your stable job to go play in the dirt uh, and make no money was, <laughs> was not easy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think they, they get it now. And obviously mm-hmm. they've seen that the success is there. I, I put food under my table. I, I grow food on my table. So it's, you know, easy in that way. Right. But it was hard for them to kind of realize that when I was home for those five weeks before I had to go back, it was difficult to talk to, to family and explain what I was doing. Right, right. Well, and plus you had to kind of keep some of the things secret in, in a way. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, wanna, you, know, you don't want to reveal the plan fully yet, but it's right. going well. right. Man. Okay. So was that like one of the most difficult projects you ever worked on, essentially? You know, difficult in terms of of just like energy usage, totally, right? You're working 16 hours a day sometimes. Like it was wild. Um, But in terms of like stress, yes, it was stressful, but I would do it again instantly. Like it was so fun. And and when in your life Mm -hmm. are you going to have virtually an unlimited budget and someone who asks you to make a 12 foot beetle. Like it's just it's not going to happen very often, right? So, you know, I, I, I think to be able to flex a different creative muscle and view myself as an artist versus a designer for the first time in my life was important to me. You know, for the most part, mm-hmm. my work with clients is building landscapes and designing, you know, how their plants are going to look inside their homes. And it's fun, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't challenge me the same way that this challenged me. So, 
I'm very happy I got to try and do something new and really put me in an uncomfortable position at times. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I could tell a lot of people were very uncomfortable a lot. I was, I was biting my nails watching it at times. I'm like, oh man, like what would I do in that situation? I have no idea. That was, yeah, I, I can only imagine. Um, so I have a really random question. So you were a uh, partner with Taylor. Um, you know, obviously you both had very similar backgrounds in, in essence that you both kind of work with plants and things like yep. that. So you have to do it over again with the same crew, but you get to choose your partner and it cannot be Taylor. What do you think? <sighs> Oh my God! You're gonna make me pick someone else besides Taylor? Oh. No, no, you've already done with oh, Taylor. I've done. I can't choose Taylor anymore. No, you cannot choose. You cannot choose oh. Taylor anymore. No, no, no. We're keeping Taylor. We like her. No. That's, you know, I I would take a different spin on it. You know, I would I would pick someone who maybe isn't even into the houseplants world. Probably someone a little bit more floral focused. I don't know if you follow the unlikely florist out in Venice. No, but he's a really no, cool dude um, who. I don't know him personally, but I plan on connecting with him. Uh, he's got a really cool style because I think the combination of a houseplant person with a floral person would be a really dangerous combination there because there were a lot of challenges where you were working with live plants and a lot of those are plants that I'm very familiar with. So to have kind of the two expertise there, I, I think would be a really dangerous combination. Gotcha. Okay. Unlikely florist. I have to go follow that person now. Sounds intriguing. You yeah. said he's in Venice? Yeah. Okay. That sounds awesome. Well, all right, let's pivot. So you have a project that you're co-founder of. Yes. Right? The Essential Farmers Project. Yes. Well, the beads, let's talk about it. It sounds so exciting to me. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, and, and, you know, this kind of was born from the pandemic, to be honest. My business partner on this project, uh, their name is Adrian. They own a company called Green Slate, which is a living roof company in the city. And they mm -hmm. had this property on the rooftop of the Staten Island Ferry, which is a very kind of random location in New York, right? Okay. But it's, it's, I think it's 13,000 square feet or something like that, but it's a huge rooftop. And because they had been going through construction and everything, no uh, edible plants had been growing up. There was all weeds. And we had teamed up on a couple of different projects in the past. And we said, you know what? Like we need to show people that A, gardening and farming in cities is possible. Um, B, we can support local farms that are struggling because of COVID through this project. And C, we can support mm -hmm. people who may have been laid off or furloughed or are looking for you know a transition in their career, which many people are making major transitions right now and doing really what they want to do and making farming just more accessible. You're living right. in an urban city, it is virtually impossible for you to have an experience like this. A lot of the community gardens are kind of insular and they're, you know, run by older folks who you might not ever get a plot for years. So we wanted to make mm -hmm. this as accessible and inclusive as possible. And the goal was just to empower people with knowledge to start growing on their own and supporting food insecure communities. So I led a team that I just did a call out through Instagram saying, hey, who wants to be part of this? And we had over, we're now over 400 signups um, across 30 different states. Um, which is amazing. But for those that are in New wow. York, um, we've led a team of volunteers on that roof to weed it, to plant it, and to harvest it. And all of the food that we produce, which is probably close to 500 pounds or so, if I had to, to guess, um, we donate to, to free fridges or local fridges in food insecure communities so that anyone wow. can go and pick a tomato and get some pesto 
or do whatever it is that they need to support themselves and their families, right? So it's something that I'm super proud of. It's something that I think is going to be more and more important as we kind of see how fragile our cities can be when we experience disasters like this. But more importantly, I think it's something that can exist anytime. It's something that we should be thinking about growing in uncommon spaces and helping those that, that don't have the access. Because seeing the articles where you have farmers plowing back their crops into the ground and pouring out milk, although I'm a vegan, so I don't care as much about the milk, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things where it, it, it exposes some of the problems that we have in our food system. But mm-hmm. We're actually looking to expand that project, talking with a couple big partners right now about how to get a site up, up and running in LA, in Denver, in Miami, all these different areas um, where we can really put people to work and show how growing is possible. That's like mind-blowing <laughs> good. So if you ever decide to do that in Maryland, I want a personal invitation to that Honest, and I yeah. will be there and help you every step of the way, man. That's amazing. So, seriously, don't, don't offer that help up too soon. Uh, you know, this playbook that we have, we know it can be replicated now. And basically what we're looking for are, are sites where there's nothing there and we get access to grow. And also sites where, yes, there might be farmers there already. It could be even local farms themselves. But if they need people, if they need volunteers who want to learn about this and get their hands dirty, we can be the ones that deploy them. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, another big part of it is actually we've had four or five job placements because of essential farmers. A woman from Utah wow. reached out to me and I'm like, I can't help her in Utah, but I connected her with someone who's in LA and that person offered her a job and now they're working together, right? So I, I think there's as much as it's about the growing the food in those sites, it's also about finding like-minded people who really care about our food system and making it just that much more accessible. That's okay. So, and I, and I, I'm not just saying this, um, I actually really want to be involved in that in some shape or form. I don't know what that's going to look like yeah. yet. And I think we should talk about it. But let's say if somebody's listening to this and they're like, yeah, this sounds great. So I want to bring that to my city or my location, or I have this location, yeah. you know, or whatever. So, hey, Nick, what do I do? Where well, do we go from here? A couple of things. One, you could shoot me a DM, um, talk about your specific project or... You could send an email to grow at essentialfarmers.com. Um, we're kind of overwhelmed with some of the different requests and people coming in, but um, we're going to be doing another sort of refresh in communications come the fall because now we're kind of winding down, putting in our fall crop. And then in winter, it's just planning, right? So anyone who wants to be involved in any capacity, even if it's just helping us with partnerships or emails or something like that, or you know, million dollar donations, we're totally fine with that too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're working hard. I I really think this is amazing. It, it really, it truly is an amazing project. I agree with you. I think you guys should just keep doing this. And I, I feel like, huh, how do I say this? I'm not a vegan and I have friends who are vegan. I, however, might as well be vegan because I eat so much fruit and veggies and yeah. all of this, right? Um, personally. And there is no greater satisfaction than eating a tomato that you actually grew, yeah, right? I do it every day. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. So yeah, believe me, I, I know what that feels like. But then taking that even further and helping people who wouldn't have access to those kind of things, essentially, or perhaps even food, it, it sounds like, right? I think it is an, an amazing project and I'm 
yeah, I'm going to DM you later. Good. Or we'll talk about it later. I'm curious to know how I could potentially be involved in this yeah. kind of project because I think this is great. Um, I'm personally between Baltimore and D.C. area. Um, I do have friends in Baltimore that are very much involved in some community slash social work and things like that. Mm. And they do it through dance communities. But then because of the pandemic, well, nobody's social dancing. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of people that they, they have all of these outlets that could potentially reach out and help. So let's chat about that later. But this this is absolutely fantastic. So I know I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but you're moving to L.A., Yes, I'm moving to LA. That's totally fun. I've announced it already. Okay. Uh, very, very soon. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a move that I'm really excited about. More so for just the growing season. I, I can just grow all year long. Got a couple friends out there uh, chasing my girlfriend out there. So you know, uh, <laughs> all the all the reasons why one would move to LA. But a couple good job opportunities too. Nice. Is the project moving with you, essentially? Sounds like the project actually already has moved. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I, I think a big part of me coming out to, to LA will be to establish a, a new sort of flagship area for essential farmers there. Mm -hmm. um, there's already a ton of folks doing some really fantastic work in the inner cities of LA um, promoting mm -hmm. this kind of thing. And um, whether it's getting involved with them directly or finding our own site, whatever it is, we, we welcome the challenge and it's going to be nice to get out there. Well, I'm 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 really happy for you, and I'm glad to hear that. Thank so, you. I do want to know about your T-shirt. My T-shirts, yes, yes. <laughs> Talk about the T-shirt made out of what plastic bottles? Yeah. So wow. you know, <laughs> it's funny. So I'm as zero waste as it gets. Like, mm -hmm. go to the grocery store. There is no plastic, and you know, sometimes it's unavoidable, right? You know, when I'm working with clients and they you know say buy this planter, that's a planter. It comes wrapped, right? It's tough. It's almost impossible to be 100%. And that's fine. No one needs to be 100%. We need more people being 10% better. Mm -hmm. But for me, the idea of creating a shirt, people have always asked, like, oh, like, where'd your, where's your shirt from? Where's this from? Where's that? And these were shirts that were gifted to me. And they're probably not produced very sustainably, probably just kind of some kind of sweatshop factory. And I really wanted to find a shirt that A, expressed my values, and B, also had material that was ethically sourced, ethically made, and not going to be anything new. So the shirts themselves are made from 50% upcycled cotton and 50% recycled plastic bottles from a company called Recover Brands down in North Carolina. They're a super small team and just so great to work with and very transparent about every single statistic that you can imagine when it comes to your clothing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is, was important to me because you know I find a lot of parallels between farming, plants, and fashion because clothes are basically just plants, just a different stage, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that was uh, the next step. And they say nature, not furniture, which is something that I preach a lot. And basically, the, the idea behind that is that if we view and treat our plants as these inanimate objects, as furniture, as chairs, ottomans, tables, whatever it might be, we will not learn how to take care of them. And mm -hmm. by viewing it as hey, I am an active player in this home ecosystem that I am creating. I am mm -hmm. then becoming a part of nature because plants are difficult, right? You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like mm -hmm. you have to be proactive because if you have a pet or a child, when they need something, they're going to let you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. plants don't. They'll just silently die. <laughs> then it's over. So I, I say that, you know, nature, not furniture, just to remind people that this is a living thing 
you are responsible for it. It's more than it just looking good. And I'm telling you, taking care of it is going to be the best, the most rewarding thing that you do every single day. I believe that because I, you have no idea how happy I feel when I have plants that are doing well. Oh yeah. Uh, it almost like I take it so personal sometimes when they die because I feel like the crappiest parent ever in the universe. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> so I, I get it. They die sometimes, you know, I get over it. It's, you know, don't worry. I don't sit there and cry for hours. I just go buy another one to kill. Yeah. Or try not to kill that is, but yeah, no, yeah. there's definitely a certain pride that comes along with that too. And I think that it, that has to do with I don't know. It's like this living thing and you're taking care of it. And then if you did well, it rewards you back tenfold and you just feel great. Exactly. And I think in today's society in particular, everything is so fast paced. Everything is so Mm -hmm. instant. And you might water your plant or prune it or fertilize it. And you might have to wait months for something to happen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think it it just, it teaches you patience. It slows, slows me down. I work my life at a hundred miles an hour. So the plants have really put a lot of things in perspective for me and given me an opportunity to breathe and just focus and get back to the basics. And I think during the pandemic, you're seeing more and more people get into this because they're seeing the value because they're home all the time. Right. Right. And they had a chance finally to actually pause. I mean, the, yeah, the best thing that came out of pandemic for me, my tiny little deck garden, you know, I have every animal imaginable in my yard. So as we speak, we're planning on fencing out part of the yard, you know, garden so I can actually grow things without, you know, fighting the deer and the bear and the squirrel and the rabbit and all this. It's literally, it's every morning you walk out on my deck because we back up a um, state park. It's like a scenery from Bambi. It's beautiful, but they eat everything. Uh, Honestly, (laughs) I wage war on my chipmunks every single year. I have them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. they get through the chicken wire and I'll, I'll never kill them. Like I'm not that kind of guy, mm-hmm. but like at a certain point, like, come on, just give me a break. Just one season. Yeah. My, my saddest moment was I had a passion flower, passion vine. And for the first time ever, I had a passion vine that actually bloomed. Okay. Oh, so I'm like stunning. Oh, right. And I'm like dying. So excited. I take the picture of this flower and I'm like so pumped and excited. The next morning I go down there and it's gone to the ground and I'm like, nothing else is touched. I'm like, okay, so this is not deer because deer wouldn't come close to that area. They just never do. And they haven't touched anything else. I'm like, okay. Then I realized I have a tiny little rabbit. I have a new rabbit. Yep. And then a chipmunk and they chase each other in the morning, which is exciting on my deck. Wow. Yep. It's fun. It's, 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 it's crazy hilarious. Like I have my morning coffee there and it's really nice to watch them do this sometimes. That's intense. But, but it's like, yeah. And chipmunks are fast. Like literally if I, if I come out there, they're like, zoom, it's like this little bullet just goes through there. I'm like, okay, you need to stop eating my plants. But yeah, no, it's, I'm telling you, it's been a challenge to do a deck garden. I have to say, but it's been the best year ever because I've been here the entire time. And also it kind of rained a lot. So everything is lush and green and beautiful yeah. and you know, all of these things. It's been but a good summer. Yes, it's been, it's been a good summer, I would say. Yeah. But um, I do want to ask you quick questions. Like let's do a quick fire challenge kind of thing. Oh, okay. I'm ready. All right. So planned recommendations from the expert himself. So in the house, in a shade, what would be the best plant that comes to mind? 
in the house in the shade. Personally, I love all the pothos varieties because they trail down and get just so lush and beautiful. Sansevieria are good too, the snake plants, but they don't really, you know, they don't grow a ton, um, but they're very versatile. So good shade tolerance plants, I'll say. Okay. Scorching hot sun through the window. I mean, my fiddly fig loves the sun. Really? And I know they're finicky and I know they're a high maintenance plant, but she's very into sunbathing. So I would say that. I like that. She's into sunbathing. Okay. So out in the yard, in the shade. Ooh, I did a couple shade gardens recently and I absolutely love hookara because not only are they a shade uh, plant, but they are also evergreen with color, which is so hard to find, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they come in these bright greens and dark greens and auburn and purple and more red, like right. they're stunning. And I think having color all year round is very difficult, especially here in the Northeast. Hookra uh, mm-hmm. definitely is one of my favorites. Okay. And well, sounds easy. I mean, you could, you could do anything, <laughs> right? Um, right. Yeah. That one is easy. All right. Well, Nick, I really want to thank you. I'm glad that I watched you on a flower, big flower show. Um, I was sad that you left soon. I, I felt like you guys left a little too soon. Um, I agree. That, <laughs> that being said, I am glad that I actually got to know you and I'm glad now in my head, you were actually the essential farmer project, Nick, not, and the farmer, Nick, not, the big flower fight, Nick. Not, not that there's anything wrong yeah. with that, but honestly, I, no. you know, I'm super pumped about your project. I think it's fantastic. Thank you, thank you. There's a uh, there's a lot of fun things happening. Some more secret projects that you'll be you'll be able to watch uh, at some point next year. So okay. more to come on that. But thank you again for the opportunity. This is so fun, and yeah, we'll we'll have a separate conversation about your plant care. We're gonna we're gonna get you up up to speed. I yes, I I, I need some serious plant therapy here, <laughs> so I can. Stop killing them. But thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Good luck. All right, guys. Well, that was it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And like I said in the beginning, if you guys have any interest at all in getting involved with the project that he has co-founded and wants to continue to do, please reach out to him and be sure to come back and check out our show notes for those uh, t-shirts that will come available pretty soon. But other than that, I'll see you next time. Bye. Well, it's a wrap. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for tuning in to Viva La Flora Live podcast. We'll see you next week.